I'm Ryan Rosillo, and this is the Ryan Rosillo Podcast. Uh, didn't sleep great. We're going to just get off to a couple things. I feel good. I feel good about today's guest, Craig Kilborn, his second appearance on the Ryan Rosillo Podcast here at the Ringer Podcast Network. So I'm excited to talk some hoops with him. I've uh, attempted to write out some Luka Doncic catchphrases for him to use if he decides to re-sign with SportsCenter. So, and he may break some news. I think he has some sources on some stuff. So, uh we're going to do that. We get some life advice there. I may ask you for some life advice at the end of this. In all sincerity, uh, I don't know. I, I may. I'm not I'm not sure. want to check in with Kyle real quick. Kyle, how are you? I'm great. Things are going well. Hey, Kyle, do you say no cap? No, never in my life. Never. I thought no lie was a reach when, when that came around. I had a few friends that kept saying hella. This is a long time ago, and I'd always kind of do like an inner... Come on, man. We're almost 40. And he'd say, Oh man, that's hella, hella good. And again, if you're saying hella, keep doing it, man. I'm not, I'm not saying don't do it. And I'm not saying don't do no cap, but I was out with uh Chris Long's crew, one of his many crews, and um there was a couple of white guys, a couple of black guys, and you know, we're all talking about stuff. And it was a few years ago, and I think one guy was dressed a little bit like it he was getting ready for a dirt bike competition then there was definitely not a dirt bike competition that night and he was telling me like we were hitting it off and, and we were exchanging contact info and he's like you know i have a bunch of stuff going on a little bit of this a little bit of that i was like all right girl yeah cool man whatever we'll keep in touch and then he actually said to me he goes you know a lot of a lot of guys are saying no cap now i was like okay okay um and he may have said it and i didn't really pick up on it this is again i think three years ago and he said, you know, if you if you say something like, man, you know, I think this, no cap. He's like, do you understand what I was like? Yeah, I, I kind of get it. It's like this declarative thing, like this definitive thing to say. It's, it's, I got it. Haven't used it. It's been three years and just wanted to share that with everybody. This week's open is about the process again. Are we still doing this? Yes, we kind of still are doing this after the Celtics swept the 76ers. Now, a couple things. If I'm a Sixers fan, as I mentioned with Bill on Sunday's pod, like, you guys realize we didn't have Ben Simmons, and that means we probably wouldn't have been swept and it wouldn't be this ugly. But the problem is, is because all of the attention has been paid upon you and the process that you have to pay a heavier price. And yes, I do think it's a little unfair for the criticism of the Sixers, although most of it's warranted. And it wasn't like I think you were going to necessarily go real far in the playoffs this year. You were six seed. You couldn't beat anybody on the road. So that would mean that you actually needed to be at home in your own arena to win some games and the whole Embiid and Simmons problems. But let's examine what the process was because the process was tanking with a cooler name. The process was what the Knicks did, but better. Uh, and what many teams did, but actually a lot better. It was a failure if you were only going off of championships or deep playoff runs, but it's a success if you think tanking or whatever version of the process is being done by multiple teams is about adding elite talent. And even if that elite talent doesn't fit, the Sixers actually added some real pieces there, despite the pieces they put around them. The process was something that writers loved. Writers, I kept telling you the entire time, defend the process because they love the idea of a Sam Hinkie, an outsider coming in, disrupting the world, and maybe proving that anybody who looks at sports analytically could run one of these teams. Because deep down, we all think we could do it. How many times, especially younger guys that are about my age, but when you were younger, my age now, you probably thought you could manage a baseball team. And until I was around a baseball team every single day that I realized, hey, I definitely couldn't manage a baseball team. The process was something that writers love, but other GMs hated. 
they hated this. If I could get paid for every counseling session I would have with a member of another front office complaining to me about how bullshit it was that, yes, there's tanking and yes, it can happen, but that Hinky, who you're supposed to get paid and judged on the job by how many games you win, was spitting in the face of the whole idea of the position. That pissed off a lot of people. And it also speaks to, hey, I have an idea. Well, what's your idea? I'm going to save for the next 10 years, and then you and I are getting married, and we're buying a house. And by the way, you could probably just get engaged before that, so let's leave the wife part out of it. But I am going to save for the next 10 years and then buy a house. It's a great plan. It's a really good one. If your dad would be really proud of you, you said it to him on the phone one night. You know what's hard? Is making sure you stick to that plan and saving for those 10 years because you're like, man, I would love a jet ski. Ah, man, I could update my wardrobe. All right, I probably shouldn't go to Lake Havasu, but and you notice how I did jet ski and Lake Havasu? Same guy. That's the point. It's really easy to tell people and convince them, hey, I have this great idea, but day to day to live through that pain was very difficult for the rest of the NBA owners, the other GMs that were pissed off about the whole thing, and let's face it, the people inside the building every day as Philadelphia was putting out an awful, awful basketball team. The process was obsessively pointless at times whether it was tracking warm-up shots during warm-ups which i've read about the accumulation of second rounders that writers kept talking about like oh my god they have six second rounders they're going to be able to control the entire second round they're going to be have so many draft and stashes second rounders for the most part are pretty pointless the process was a really cool way to talk about something that everybody else was already doing. And as I've tried to teach people, when you label, when you brand something, the target is bigger on you. But let's also remind ourselves how the public and specifically coworkers react when it appears that somebody's trying to make it seem like they're just smarter than you are while they've never done the job. And that was one of Hinky's downfalls. I like Sam. Talked to him twice. One time in Chicago, we were discussing a Michael Carter-Williams trade where he was upset with the way people were talking about it. I was like, we should just do more interviews. And he, of course, he declined. And then we were watching some of the players. And at the end, he's like, hey, this is all off the record. And I'm like, dude, the trade we're talking about has already happened. And by the way, all these guys are going to be in Greece and Poland next year. So who cares? Um, not a big deal. But Sam, if you go back and look at some of his tweets, especially people in the finance world that would would look at his and, and comment on some of it, where he was out in... It's Palo Alto after he left the job. Chris Ballard did this amazing sit down with him. And there were just moments where you go, is this guy serious with this? Uh, the, the Blazers that were all size 40, same color, so that he could eliminate decision fatigue. Like, do you believe that that is true? Do you believe that your day is only a limited number of decisions or we only have so many decision resources throughout the day? Like, It sounds really cool, but it's probably kind of stupid. And there are little moments of that that would be applied to a front office. I mean, this is somebody in the Ballard interview. Again, I love this quote so much. Every hour between 6 a.m. and 6 p.m., his Fitbit vibrates. And it's not to remind him to exercise, okay? He spends the next 60 seconds after it vibrates considering the hour to come. Once properly centered, Hinky proceeds with his day. That's insane. And I don't even think it's true. I just don't. I think it sounds really fucking cool. And it reminds me of... A lot of stuff that we can all do. We talk about our jobs. We talk about our lives with other people. Like, hey, what do you do? Man, I'm starting up with this company, and I'm just about getting my message out to as many 
potential consumers, because I just feel like I have unlimited bandwidth right now to share our message and our vision with so many different potential partners. And that's really what I'm focused on is just kind of getting that branding and imaging out there, get it into the subconsciousness, get it into the lobes, just get people to just start thinking about us. Oh, so you fucking cold call all day? Yeah. Yeah, I'm on the phone a lot. Okay. And that was always one of the fundamental problems, which leads to our incomplete conclusion today. Is the process dead? I don't know. I mean, what what is dead? I mean, Hinky's been gone for years now. Brett Brown got seven years. I know Brett Brown. I've seen your tweets about what a nice guy he is. He got seven years on the job. And I'm not saying it's all him, but he wasn't a solution. Elton Brand, however this all shakes out, he's only had the GM title for three years, so that probably felt a little quick to move on from him. And like so many NBA teams, the final decision's do lie with so many of the owners, and I believe the Sixers is a very owner-heavy, decision-based group. I can't sit here and, and do some monologue about how the process is dead because I don't know what, what the story is supposed to be. It's not Hinky being gone. It's not Brett Brown being gone. As long as Simmons and Embiid are on the same team, which another team is probably going to get a shot at this, meaning another coach is probably going to get one more shot at trying to figure this whole thing out and see what it's like pairing them together with something different. And I've seen a lot of this out there, but my point in closing would be the finality that we want to the Sixers chapter just isn't there yet. Before we get to this week's interview with Craig Kilborn, not that he comes on every week, but you know what I'm saying. We'll be back on Thursday, so it's not a weekly pod. We know the deal. Whoop is a fitness wearable that I've been using for the last few months to track my training, sleep, and recovery, and it's been awesome. The key to Whoop is that you wear it all day long and never miss a beat. They have a really smart charging system where their battery pack slides on top of the strap, so it goes right on top, and you never have to take it off to charge. You won't ever have to worry about losing a night of sleep or missing a workout. Whoop has been all over the news lately after the PGA Tour procured 1,000 straps for its golfers, caddies, and staff to help everyone at tournaments stay safe throughout the pandemic. Whoop has been using respiratory rate to help members detect potential signs of illness before other symptoms develop. With Whoop, you receive workout goals from its strain coach that pairs your recovery to a certain strain level. If your body is recovering, you're going to want to take a rest day. And if you're ready to go, it's going to recommend that you push it, stop overtraining and start catering your workouts to your body's recovery. A lot of these things that I see that are out there, it's big on, hey, are you ready? Are you not ready? And all that kind of different stuff. Um, this is this is so much better on Whoop. And how it just feels like it's more detailed. I think some of the people just go, oh, hey, what's your heart rate? Hey, you plug in a couple, are you stressed or whatever? And then boom, here's your imaginary thing. This is This feels, it's always felt more real. It's always felt more real. Uh, accurate as far as the readings and getting you ready to go and of course you can track your stages of sleep down to the minute each morning check out how much rem or deep sleep you got from the previous night and actually understand how well you're sleeping not just how many hours you were in bed for whoop custom tailors its sleep recommendations to each member based on their baselines and how active they were during the day with whoop you're really getting a personal trainer on your wrist that helps you learn your body and make smarter lifestyle choices for my listeners, Whoop is offering 15% off with code Rosillo, R-U-S-S-I-L-L-O, at checkout. Go to Whoop, that's Whoop.com, W-H-O-O-P.com. Enter R-U-S-S-I-L-L-O at checkout to save 15%. Sleep better, recover faster, and train smarter. Optimize your performance with Whoop. Normally when I intro a guest, it's just kind of ease everybody into the process, but I can tell... 
Craig Kilborn is hot and ready to go today. So I feel like you're you have a couple directions you'd like to explore first. That's just the sense I'm getting from you right now. Well, you can't hear the power blowers. I'm out in the desert. We have the gardeners here. Thank goodness you can't hear them. When they do end, which should be in about 10 minutes, I will be celebrating. Um, I've done a couple Zooms on my iPhone. This is the first one on my iPad. Now I had to hook it up because it was my wife's iPad. So you told me iPad. Number three, and then we're done. The ringer makeup person did not show up. Okay. And I always <laughs> assumed it was Kyle anyway, but the, the ringer makeup person did not show up. So this is Sans makeup. I'm ready for you. I'm ready to talk, Luca. It's a good angle. Okay, so that's, before we get too distracted with anything else, it really does feel like you sent me a note going, this Luca thing, we were going back and forth. And by the way, happy birthday to you. Thank you. Monday was your birthday. Uh, yes. You share a birthday with my brother. So that was, you know, just top of mind, leaders Reggie among Miller. leaders. Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller's a good one. Yeah. Dave Chappelle. Oh, that's another good one. And Kobe Bryant, let's not forget, too. He's on the 23rd. So, Kobe's the 23rd, the day before. Kobe's the 23rd. That's right. Mamba Day was 824. So it just it extended. It extended. Good good correction on that one. Um, so just give me all the Luca feelings that you have right now that maybe you haven't felt in a while. Because I, I'm glad you're here because I want to run some things by you because uh, you know the game. Uh, I don't know if your listeners... I've watched a lot of basketball, Ryan. I know who Hank Lucetti is, uh, the guy that invented the one-handed push shot from Stanford. That's way back, 20s, 30s, I don't remember. I've seen Paul Arizin. I've seen him, Slater Martin. So Luca, I watched him last year as a rookie, and I was aware of Luca magic. But everyone now is, is uh, I don't want to say struggling, but they're comparing him to players when, of course, as Mark Cuban says, he's his own person. He's Luca. Can we first eliminate the whole James Harden comparison? Okay. Why is that? Well, I don't, I, I don't view James Harden as a gifted passer. He, because he handles the ball a lot, he does get assists. Do, is, he, is he a gifted passer? Am I missing something? I actually think – I, this is very ironic that you're bringing this up because this became a controversial topic uh, a couple of weeks ago. I can understand watching Luca and watching Harden and be more impressed with the flashiness of Luca, but I've always thought Harden is an incredible passer. I really, I really do think. Oh, not maybe, okay. Yeah. Now, I think what happens is that Jason Kidd, we've kind of put Jason Kidd in this group by himself where it's like, oh my God, not only is it is a spectacular watch, it's also incredibly efficient. I think Harden is more along the lines of these the way he would read the lobs, the way he would read the corner stuff. So I do think Harden has actually always been a very good passer. So I just wanted people to see my shirt here for a second. Okay. Um, okay, so I might be wrong about Harden. I do get a little tunnel vision. I liked him when he was on OKC. One of those years he shot 49%. And I don't want to completely rag on Harden, but he is now, as basketball fans, we're allowed to like someone's game and dislike someone's game. So I don't like Harden's game. I just want to tell you why. He, he's changed his game over the years. Do you remember when George Carl was the coach of the Nuggets and he talked about the ball sticking in Carmelo's hands? Carmelo would get it and, and do the rocker step, triple threat position. He'd hold it before taking a dribble, and he'd decide to just rise up and shoot a jumper. And George Carl was like, move the ball. Don't take so long. Harden sticks the ball in one location. 
just he just yo-yos on the perimeter until the defender and the viewer, me, falls asleep, and then he shoots. <laughs> These other guys that dribble the ball a lot, like Chris Paul, who is one of my favorite players, Steve Nash, Luca, they're usually moving around and making things happen. They're not just dribbling in one location as the ball freezes and stops and everyone stares. So I'm not a huge James Harden fan. What people are now saying with Luca, I read this morning, is Larry and Magic. Um, I can break down a couple things. Please. Luca handles the ball very, very well. Okay, Larry, Larry didn't dribble all the time out in the perimeter and drive it. Luca can get anywhere he wants on the court, and I'm a little stunned by that against Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, that he can just get to the rim and then adjust his body. Maybe he's stronger than I realize. And then he, he's very crafty around the rim, banking it off the glass. Are you a little stunned at his dribbling and how he gets moves around the court in the half-court offense? Absolutely. Now, I think we both know the basketball's angles, those drives where you think, okay, is the help going to get here in time? Like you can read all these things in the moment and you can tell like with when you're even with somebody or you have that advantage. And you know how when we'd watch Kawhi in the beginning of his ascension, you'd think, how does this always work? Why is it that Kawhi can just kind of slowly dribble, turn, and then yeah. like, what the hell's going on? Like, it didn't make any sense to me right. until I started thinking, I don't know that we we spend enough time admitting the body types and how advantageous they can be. And I've always felt like with Kawhi's shoulders, he just has a different thing in the length of his arms that that's what works. It's just yeah. the science of it. You were like, hey, he's just built a little differently. And I think Luca, despite his massive size for that position, that his handle is tighter, but he's wide. He's a wide person at this age. And even if you think you're with him, you're not because right. he's this massive. Because it's not always quickness. It's it's not the first step. There's other people with much quicker first steps than Luca, But I, I think he just... You notice how how dribbling now, and it's been going on for years, but it's it's keeping contact with the defender as opposed to trying to get away from them all the time. So right. guys will stop and let the defender catch up, feel their feel them on their back. Um, you know all these different things. Luca can just ride with you the whole time, and then he's going to finish at the rim because he's that much bigger. So a couple of things uh, I want to talk about: Luca's speed and quickness. But I do want to say one thing when I was watching, uh, I think it was game one, there's a chance, and I'm a Luka fan, obviously, there's a chance that he carries the ball on some of these moves, okay? <laughs> yes. I but think I'm not going to say anything besides, I mean, Allen Iverson carried the ball. He would, if they called it all the time, he would just be carrying all the time. There's a chance he carries the ball, but that's not important because I just love watching him play we all know the difference. I'm sure your young viewers, listeners know the difference between speed and quickness. So Larry might be slow running up the court, but he's cat quick on his first step and his ball fakes. So Luca is quicker than when you saw him get free for the shot, the winning shot against Reggie Jackson. He did a little, I went between his legs. He did a little crossover move. He's quick, but he's, but he still does something which I adore. And it's called moving at your own speed. So you know how Paul Pierce played at his own speed? I love guys that are that can just move at their own speed. I'm going to give an obscure reference that most people don't know. There was a guy, I think it was in the 80s, named 
Lewis Lloyd. He played for the uh, Houston Rockets. He went to Drake University. But I remember a guy telling me, he moves at his own speed and he throw, he's unorthodox and he throws us all off with how he moves because he kind of get kind of lopes around. But I think Lucas, he's quick. He's very quick, but he, he moves at his own speed sometimes when he drives, right? He kind of rides the guy and just does what he wants. Yeah, you don't have to constantly dribble away from everybody all the time. Right. But when you're smaller, you know, we've seen all these small guards that come into the league and there's – there's really, I always feel like there's these tiers of perimeter players that come up from college where they finish at the rim for a living in college and there's just a step slow or a step small like Sebastian Telfair, again, who didn't have to go to college. But Telfair, when he got to the pros, it was, wait, like I'm going to be one of those guys who can never finish. Like I'm, I'm quicker than everybody, but once I get there, I'm never going to be able to finish. Now, size-wise, right. it's completely different, but you're right. Like there's a, there's a pace to basketball that he has mastered. There's... There's an angle part of it that he's already mastered. And I'm always kind of pushing back on like how great can he be? But I mean, when's the last time you've been this excited about a basketball player other than perhaps Trenton Hassel? Dame. Who? Oh, Dame. Dame. I was going to say Trenton Hassel. I just wanted to say Dame Dalla. But anyways, uh, no, I, I do like Damian Lillard. Uh, Trenton Hassel, very, very funny. He was the glue guy, man. He defended. He really was. He's a good player. Uh, I, I know, Ryan, you want to get to the Timberwolves. Can we just focus on Luca for a moment? <laughs> yes, sorry. I, I know we're, I'm jumping the jumping, run down. You're jumping the <laughs> gun. Um, Luca, um, yeah, I, I, it, was, it was fun. He, he's, can I say he's not a pure shooter, or is that unfair? Or, no, or it's accurate. No, when you're 31%, I mean, the league average, I think, now is like 36% from three. He's below average. So. He's uh, so the comparison with Larry is that he rebounds, he passes, he scores. And Larry, of course, was a pure shooter. And for the young people, again, I just keep educating. If you want to check out how to see if someone's a pure shooter, look at their free throw percentage. Guys that can really shoot are really good at the free throw line as well. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, Luca is uh, pretty amazing and uh, i've seen him body up some people on defense what's your take on his defense because you probably watch you probably watch regular season games he seems like he's solid or not uh you know i think it's enough it, it it's enough and the this matchup is is weird because you don't want him stuck with one of the perimeter players although paul george can't make a shot to save his life right now and they've Which gone is, small yeah yeah. yeah, they and they have other. They have they actually have good depth between Finney Smith and even though Michael Kidd Gilchrist is is not much of a player offensively, they have some bigger bodies so they can hide Luca. So I usually think every young player stinks on defense because they just either don't buy into the team concepts or right. they're too busy figuring out how to score. Right. Uh, I would not say it's a strength at this point, but that's why I stopped when I whatever I would do draft stuff and I would write up these things on guys. I stopped worrying about their defense because. You, you, it almost takes you a little while, especially as one of the stars and one of the offensive players. LeBron, I remember when his defense took off, it's when the media decided, hey, it was almost this planned thing. And his defense did become incredible, but all of a sudden it was, you know who's great on defense? It was LeBron. And it became like this campaign to remind yeah. everybody. But let's face it, in the beginning, it wasn't that great. And now I don't worry about LeBron's defense. But yeah, I wouldn't say it's a plus. I, I just think that he's in control of every offensive possession in a way we're not used to seeing from a player this young. Right. I like when you say you don't worry about LeBron's defense. Do you worry about a lot of things with the NBA? Is that do you worry stay up at night and just by the way, the Gardner uh, 
the gardeners are gone. I'm free now to talk. I'm free. When Jeff Green, when Jeff Green was raining threes in Game Three for the Rockets against the Oklahoma City Thunder, and that was when I was worried. I was a little bit like, "Hey, your your next 24 hours, you're going to be a little annoyed by this." Not that I'm a big OKC fan, but historians of this pod know know where I'm at. I enjoy watching OKC. I enjoyed the last few minutes of the game yesterday. Harden was guarding Chris Paul. Paul hit two big shots. You understand these guys that even though they dribble, they're economical. They, they know what they're doing. He's he's dribbling, and he's not going to take too long. He might yo-yo a little bit, take a shot, pass, or penetrate. Love, dude, I love Chris Paul. Can I move forward? Let me go back to the Clipper game. The Clippers should win the series because they have more talent. Yeah. It's just that if Paul George, all he has to do is shoot 28%. <laughs> Instead of you can just get to twenty eight, yeah. Instead of fifteen percent, I mean that is stunning. It's stunning. I, I can't believe it. Who's who's the anchor you worked with that was the most like Paul George? Where if he had a bad show, you knew he was going to have three bad shows. Oh, I can't. I uh, <laughs> I would never say, and I don't. I don't think that way. I don't have the negative vibes that percolate in your creative mind. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, I did want to say something else. Remember that series with uh, the, the Houston Rockets and the Knicks when John Starks was ice cold and he kept shooting and they lost the, the Knicks. Lost 94. The yeah. Somewhere right around there. Yeah. And I remember Nick, uh, a Nick friend of mine, he was a fan of the Knicks and he was a friend and he said, we live and die with Starks. We live and die with Starks. And I said, well, you died, and this is what Starks should have done. And then I eventually, the coach then was Pat Riley. And I, I, then I blamed Riley. This is what, this applies to Paul George. If you're ice cold on the perimeter, what do you do? You drive to the basket and get fouled and get some free throws. Get your rhythm going. At the end of the game, yes, the other day, he drove and penetrated and made some nice passes. He actually even made a layup. If you're ice cold on the perimeter, it's such a basic concept. Don't shoot, drive, create, manufacture points at the free throw line. You've heard this before, correct, Ryan? That's yes. basic. Anyways, I think the Clippers should win the series, but this is this is really fun. You mentioned Mello's game and, and the ball sticking with George Carl, and that observation's right, but something tells me at your peak that was your game. I didn't the ball stuck. I made things happen in a hurry. You did. Yeah. Okay. And I I could spot up and shoot. I know uh, you could shoot, but you you kept the ball moving. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I either would shoot or drive. I wouldn't. I would never yo-yo in one place. I wasn't interested in breaking people's ankles. I'm not. I'm not mean that way. I'll just blow by a person. That's it. It's not about humiliation. No, it's not about humiliation. Let's, um, <laughs> go ahead. Well, I was going to say. Do, do you, um, as a fan and as a personality, are you able to say in each series who you're rooting for? Because you, you don't, you can be biased, right? You can say I'm rooting for OKC or I'm rooting for Houston or. Yeah, I'm actually less biased than the people covering the teams, I think. But the one bias I've admitted now for about two years is I root against the Houston Rockets. So. Um, oh, because it's, because it's, you don't like that style of play. Um, which, which I started. A, 
I sort of actually dislike a lot of people that covered their team because I'd be like, it was a bit like, it's not the same as Barry Bonds where Barry Bonds fans were going, how, what's wrong with the rest of you? And everybody outside of San Francisco was saying, what's wrong with you? And again, nobody's done anything to the Houston Rockets um, to what Bonds is accused of doing, but it's become a very territorial thing where Rockets fans and people that cover the Rockets can't understand why people are just kind of tired of watching this team play. Even though I give them credit, even though I like certain parts of the team, Daryl Morey's somebody I've known longer than anybody. I like Dan Tony, and I give them a lot of credit for their approach. It's just, uh, unfortunately, this is kind of a broken record for a lot of people listening. So I've said, hey, just in case you're on the fence about where I was at, I'm, I'm not interested in watching this team win any games. So, so when they were up 2-0. Yeah, when they were up 2-0, about to go 3-0, I was like, yeah, here we go. And I wasn't going to be surprised because I actually thought Houston was a better basketball team. They were better against well, better teams they, this year. Yeah, they have they have a lot of talent. I don't I don't care for, as you know, all the three-point shooting. Uh, so isn't it exciting that the Thunder won yesterday? Won yesterday? It was just an exciting game. I think this series is really fun. Um, and... There are those moments where Houston's eight of eight to start the third quarter, and you go, "How do you beat these guys?" And then right. they go three of twenty-three, and you go, "How do they ever beat anybody?" Good. Right. How do how do they? So it's it's been the same deal, but I've always gotten back to even if you don't like it aesthetically, if you're not a Harden guy, and again, Westbrook hasn't played in these four games, so you have to factor that all into this. But Daryl Morey took on the Golden State Warriors when very few very few had any interest in it, right? And if it wasn't an epically bad shooting performance towards the end of that series a couple years ago, and I'm sharing this with you, I know people have heard it, but I'm reminding you, at least they almost took them down and they probably would have won a title. And I always give them credit for that, despite not like watching it. Will you choose me for a sec? Call on me. You just said Houston. Craig, up front. You just said they epically shot bad in game seven. That's the reason they lost. The reason they lost was Chris Paul didn't play. He was hurt. Yeah, he had the hamstring thing. You're right. Yeah. Two reasons. That was the yeah. that was where he had Yeah, and then Trevor Reza went had a terrible game and everyone had a terrible game. But uh, were you rooting for yeah. Chris Paul in that moment because you like Paul so much? Were you rooting against the Warriors? Were you rooting for Chris Paul at that moment? Oh God, yes. But I root against the Warriors because they're too good. I don't like yeah. I yes. I, I I root for underdogs in general. Um uh, and I didn't. I don't like all the three point shooting, and I get a little concerned. I'm a, as you know, I'm a terrible stand. I do like Ursan Rosas. I've heard him talk, and they say things like, "Well, the numbers tell the story." You know, three point shooting wins, and I'm and I, I don't. I, I could take the numbers and change them. If you if you come down in three possessions, the last two minutes, and shoot three three pointers and miss all three, and I make two layups, I win. I mean, you know, you ever heard them say the numbers bear it out? We know that. We understand the advantage of a three-point shooting. I and mean, I said this before is I don't want to see guys shoot 35%. I want guys, a team to shoot closer to 50%. Mix in twos with threes. And that's where it's weird. The, the Warriors, who have the great three-point shooters and Steph and Clay, the other team sometimes shoots more three-pointers than the Warriors, which I find that to be undisciplined. And you are, if nothing, a disciplinarian. Can we can we transition to your your T Wolves real quick with the number yeah. one pick? Where mm -hmm. are you on the except? What did you do for your? Did you have a home draft party or did you did you take the jet back to back to the Great Lakes? No, I was in the mahogany panel den in Los Angeles, and um, you don't want to see that. You don't want to see what happened to the Knicks happen to the Timberwolves. You know where the the card comes up early, and again, we already know it's there's no consensus number one. 
if you can trade, they're, they're going to canvas the league and see if they can trade Bradley Beal, you know, something like that. Because you don't know if Anthony Edwards or LaMelo Ball is how they're going to do. So I, uh, but I'm happy. I'm happy they got number one. That's pretty cool. Do you want more? If they go LaMelo, would you want more LaVar, uh, LaVar Ball in your life? No. You know, the concern is that, you know, Steph Curry said he wouldn't play in Minnesota. That's why David Kahn drafted Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn ahead of him. Uh, I don't know. Anthony Edwards has already said he'd play in Minnesota. Uh, but uh, LaMelo does pass, and I do like passers. I can't tell. I can't tell what kind of player he's tall. Six, seven. Tall yeah. passers. Okay. Can I try out a couple lines on you? Because I was thinking, I go, what would Craig be doing right now on the 1 a.m.? Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just, you know, how I forget things. I want to hear this. I just want to know Raptor Celtics, who you're, who you're picking. If, if Gordon Hayward were playing, I would pick the Celtics. I like the way they match up. I like the different bodies they can throw at you. But in the Lowry ankle, looks like it's going to be fine. Siakam only played in two games out of the four in the regular season. I think it's going to be a small versus small lineup. And I'm, I almost feel like I'm doing this because I was so wrong about the Raptors this year that I'm picking Toronto. But I really love the way the Boston Celtics matched up with them if everyone were healthy. I really am right. going to pick Boston if Hayward. So I think it's going to be a really good series. That, that's, that's not exactly um, anything new, but the way they could match up with the perimeter players and have kind of an extra defender and change some assignments was really important, I thought, to their uh, their success. And the no Hayward thing, even though he, I think at this point, is clearly the fourth best guy out of that group, um, changes some things. But again, this just means they'll have Marcus Smart to close games instead of Hayward. So maybe that's, that's a positive. I, uh, I think it's going to be a wonderful series. And uh, three words for you. Maybe it's two. Freddie Van Vliet. You like that guy. I like watching the Raptors. They're pretty fun to watch. And I do appreciate the way the Celtics play, but watch out for Toronto. Noted. That might be the that might be the tag. I'm ready for the 1 a.m. Okay. Uh, Here you go. All right. Yeah. So it's 1 a.m. It's we're getting ready to walk out to the 1 a.m. You've had Kentucky fried chicken. It wasn't great, but it was the only thing available. And you're you're trying to figure out your game plan maybe after the show or maybe heading out to the city that Friday. And it's a Luca highlight, all right? So you, you've got a Luca highlight, and you and Gus are going over the lines, and you're thinking, hey, I've got some. So I want to try some out with you, okay? Yeah. So Luca in transition, he finishes, and Craig Gilborn's on the desk saying, Luca, that s car go." Uh, anything that anything French is going to be good, so I like that. Trading uh, places, remember that at the end where where Dan Aykroyd is outside. I don't, I don't remember that. I just like the way it sounds. Okay, I thought you were going to say spoiler alert. Trading places, I haven't seen. Uh, it yet. <laughs> you got so excited. Okay, how about this one? This could be you mid nineties. This is topical, culturally relevant at the time. So Luca finishes over somebody. And you go twice as long as a man. Some men are longer than others. Braveheart. Oh, movie reference. Remember the spear? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're naming you're naming movies that I don't. I I no. It's just that. Um, can't you reference Casablanca? Or, or can't you the reference? Disdain. 
I wish people could see the look on you, the disdain on your face for like, oh, if you were an anchor Rosillo, you'd be 90s movie reference guy. Okay, well, you know, maybe we get you on the deuce on a Tuesday, but, you know. They're not booing. They're saying, uh, let me see. Um, Where'd you go? Uh, I'm right here. Kyle laughed. Okay. So he was laughing. You're on a roll right now. So Kyle's screen came up. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. Uh, where are you? Are you in Manhattan Beach or are you in uh, Los Angeles, Hollywood? I'm in Manhattan Beach. Yeah. Okay. I like right here. Have you ever thought of putting something on the back wall? <laughs> I didn't put anything on the back wall. Like, you know, just some kind of painting or. I have know? jerseys. I have a bunch okay. of jerseys that are ready to go. This is a new place here. And I am waiting for, you know, they tell you when you buy something new that they're going to be right over after the stagers leave to fix some of the wall, do a little touch-up, little touch-up painting. I walked around this place, I think, three months ago now and walked around with the contractor and did different tape. Things. There's blue tape all over my house. It's been there for three months. So a yeah. couple friends, I'm a pretty isolated guy. You can understand that. A couple friends have come over and said, hey, you've had this blue tape up here for about three months <laughs> i go i do i go i don't want to lose track of of what we did three months ago so there's still some stuff some some stuff that needs to be done you got a good parking down there you got your own couple spots there yeah great parking i actually lucked out not great parking in this town and i um i have to tell you i'm, I'm one of the lucky ones yeah you're smart you're an investor i can tell craig knows is the original light beer miller light has always been there to bring people together through miller time but in a world where you can't always be with your people miller time might be a moment on a zoom call a quick porch beer with your neighbors or masking up for a socially distant hangout outside. Whether you're toasting to friends near or far, great taste is always close by. Right now, enjoying a Miller Lite with friends looks different for everyone, but staying connected is just as important. I love my porch, and I don't know where I'd be. I just always wanted a nice porch. I don't know if it's that widespread song or what, but I'm thrilled. And I remember when I was younger, we had a porch. I think I was 19. And we used to take the Miller Lite cans and fill them with a quarter of water and then hit them off of a golf tee with a cross stick. And our neighbors didn't like that social distancing. So don't do that um, if you're going to get some Miller Lights. From online happy hours to socially distant picnics, every 500-piece puzzle in between, we're enjoying new ways of spending time with our friends. And once you can hang out with your friends again, And it's kind of nice, the outside restaurant deal, making you feel like there's some kind of normalcy despite everything that's going on, how tough it is. Um, Don't be afraid for a little Miller time outside at dinner. Miller Lite, great taste with only 96 calories and 3.2 carbs. However you and your friends are enjoying Miller time this summer, you can have the original light beer delivered by going to MillerLite.com forward slash RR and find the delivery options near you. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Okay, quickly, let me add just a couple of subjects. Do you take, if you're the Wolves and you keep the pick, who do you take, Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball? Go ahead. Oh, man. Um, I'd probably go Anthony Edwards. I understand okay. all the pro LaMelo stuff. I do. Um, what he could be at that size, right. the passing or whatever. But right. I, I also can't get some of those Australian games out of my head. And I do. I remember asking somebody with the Lakers, they go, hey, is the LeVar stuff a little overrated? You know, is it really like, media created it's not that big of a deal and the guy was like no it actually kind of sucks 
kind of sucks to deal with on a regular basis. I mean, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, uh, I, I think he's now he'll have shifted his attention to Lamelo because he's the potential number one pick. So I know it's been mentioned before, but he's Lavar is the, the father is what kind of parent raises two children to shoot from the wrong side of their head. I mean, <laughs> these little weird. Rah! What is that? That's undisciplined again. But you know what he'd tell you? He would just say, I'm going to have two kids who maybe go in the top two. Okay, great. And, and, <laughs> I, just, and I, no, I, I like Lonzo. They're going to trade him. I, you know, they're going to, Pelicans are going to trade him. So whatever. Breaking uh, news? Is that sourced? Or is that just your, because I don't, we could change the whole I, topic. I've heard rumors this. that they're going to trade him. And I think he's improved uh, his shot, obviously. And he's also a good defender. And I like him. Uh, yeah, I don't know who they're going to, the Wolves are going to take. I love Cat. D'Angelo Russell's an interesting player. I'm I'm a little I think I, I can't remember if I told you this or somebody else. You know, they the Warriors got rid of him. I love D'Angelo. I hope I don't want anyone. He struggles on defense. I mean it, the way but okay. I don't I, I, I do a joke that I couldn't it hurt my back to get in a defensive stance in Montana State. The way he's built, I don't know if he can get in a defensive stance. I'm wondering if the Warriors said we cannot have Steph and D'Angelo as a backcourt defensively. It, it would just be – they'll break down the defense too much. we got to get rid of him. But uh, th- that's why I love Josh Okogie. And, and if they do make a trade for like a Bradley Beal, the other team is going to say you, the number one pick and Josh Okogie plus other elements. But I, Yeah, probably Culver. Probably, yeah. Well, Culver uh, – I I I'm, I want to like him. He is also like Josh, a very good defender. Handles the ball very well. Drives very well. Stunningly, quick can't shoot, and he's working on it. He's had to change his shot, and his free throw percentage was atrocious. So it's early. I just don't understand it, Ryan. When you can, sh- when guys like us can shoot, I don't know how these guys, you know. I, I assume yeah, you I mean, shoot. I don't know if you could shoot. My dad was a better shooter than I was, but I was I was all right. Yeah. Was, but I was, you know, I, I like to just kind of, are we talking about me right now? A lot of guys <laughs> called me the 6'2 white KG. Oh, you you yelled a lot or what? You just you're, No, you're I just, just I, I could play the one, I could play the five. What do oh, you guys need me to do? I'll set my toolbox down. All right, I may use this today, may not. All right, we're going to save the mallet for next week. How tall are you? 6'2. What did you average in high school? Oh, these are bad numbers. Um, okay. I, tr- I I got hurt my junior year and then out of spite, didn't go back out and held a grudge against the people for about 10 years. Okay, this I, wasn't is- gonna, I wasn't good enough to play at a, at a good college. So let's just put it that way. There's, there's no mystery here. I don't have there's a some, good story there, to tell you. There's baggage and it seems like there's, there are things about you that I'm concerned, concerned with. Uh, real attitude. Yeah, no, I had a real attitude about it. You seem to have corrected it. You seem like you've corrected it. A little bit. Okay. Uh, Back to my questions. Who's coming out of the West? Who's coming out of the East in the NBA? And who do you want? Who do you want to win the championship? If you had your choice, I just asked three questions. This is kind of a a funny one because I'd like to see Anthony Davis get something where it's this recognition of who he is as a player. Because whenever he has a bad game, it's it hangs on him more so than when he has these amazing games. The start that he had to game four was like, what? 
And when they beat Portland in that New Orleans series, it felt like he was starting his ascension to becoming the best player in the league. And there are moments where it is too passive for the rest of us. Like we want our number ones to be in full aggression mode every single time. And I think he's too reserved at times, but I also think it's because he understands the game so well that there are going to be moments. Right. Uh, I look at that Toronto regular season game in the bubble where he was like pretty ineffective, but it was because he thought he was doing the right thing the whole time. And it's a really hard balancing act for any guy that's that special to understand, hey, you have to maybe take a few bad shots and force the issue a little bit because you deferring to a three or four guy out here actually isn't better for the team. So I wouldn't mind seeing that. Um, I know people think I'm anti-Lakers because of the Boston thing, but it, it doesn't really bother me that much anymore. I do like Doc a lot with the Clippers, so that would be kind of funny. But it would also be kind of funny if Paul George keeps playing. He can't keep playing this poorly that if he got a ring, then everybody would say, well, you know, whatever, they got a ring. And you go, well, that's different. I am worried about Giannis in a second-round loss to Miami, which I think is very possible. If they don't get out of the East, we have a very predictable timeline with our stars where the longer they struggle – with real playoff, then yeah. we start to ask questions of them that aren't even legitimate. Like Donovan Mitchell has been the most efficient player offensively. And yet, because it's older than Luca, it's not as exciting. Mm -hmm. And yet, we're not talking about Donovan the way we are Luca because Luca is still newer and fresher. And we turn the page on our NBA stars a lot of times when they're not necessarily doing anything different than just going out earlier in the playoffs and then we all want them to. And a lot of the right. guys, by the way, go out. So, right. I, I would like um, I would like the Lakers. This is you know I used to dislike the Lakers because I root against I root for underdogs and I root against the top teams. But you I root like against see, geographical domain too, like what they did to um, your people. Well, I didn't. I never rooted for the Chicago Bulls and Jordan except the first championship they had against Magic and Sam Perkins and Vlade. That first championship, I that, then I rooted for them. But I root. I don't root for the favorites usually. But in this case, I, I am rooting for LeBron to win another ring because I just think he's such an unbelievable player. And uh, I do think the Clippers have more talent. I mean, the Clippers, the Clippers played, you know, Lou Williams had a great game two days ago, and Kawhi was really good. And just one more note about the Luka thing. I am stunned on the last play. I was, they, they called the timeout. There was 3.7 seconds left. And I told my wife, I said, they're not going to get a good shot because they're going to double team Luca. And then he's going to have to pass the ball. And it, it may not get to Hardaway in time. And he's going to rush a 40 footer. And, and she's not really, unless the Jazz are playing with cutaways of Quinn Snyder, my wife's really not invested in any of the games. She has a type, though, huh? I'm kidding. I just wanted to say, did you? <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to say something about Quinn Snyder. He was wearing tight jeans yesterday and some nice little tennis shoes. I was hilarious. Can I tell you a side? Can I tell you a side note story? Yes. yes. I was, I was, let's just say on the road. And I had met someone. And right. I was with some friends. So it wasn't, it wasn't like a an isolated incident. It was it was a few of my friends, it was a few of her friends, and and we pulled into um uh a, a bar. And there was there was a band, and the guy the guy shouted out as he looked over at us as I as I walked in with my companion, 
He looked over and he, he said something, in, and I'm not going to say exactly what he said, but it was basically like him saying, hey, ESPN, you know, something like that, you know, and, and I raised my hand. I did kind of one of these, and then the girl looked at me, and she's like, why are you raising your hand? And I went, isn't he pointing at me? She's like, no, that's my ex-husband. Oh. And I went, oh, and then the ex-husband came over, said hello, and then he came over with his new girlfriend, and she was identical to his ex-wife. Oh, and wow. my friend, my friend goes, he's got a type. So <laughs> that was, that was a quick aside. I thought that right. built and I felt like I let you down a little bit. No, I didn't okay. know if the guy, I didn't know if it was going to be Quinn Snyder. You had a Quinn Snyder story. That's what I was waiting for. I thought you were saying your wife thought Quinn Snyder was hot. And from this that's angle right saying. now, you have that's, a little Quinn that, in you. Yeah. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. It's not yeah. true. It's not true, but it's okay. funny because he's, yeah. But I, uh, I was going to say, uh, uh, so, so they didn't double-team Luca. Luca hits the winning shot. I'm, done, I'm stunned that they didn't double-team him. Okay. But I would like the Lakers to win the championship because of LeBron. I don't know if they have enough firepower past the first two guys, Anthony Davis and LeBron, because you got these guys like Caldwell Pope who went 0 for 9 in the first game. I mean, these guys are – so inconsistent. Danny Green is inconsistent. These guys are so inconsistent. And uh, so I don't know if they can get past the Clippers, but of course the Clippers might not get past uh, Dallas. And then in the East, I assume it'll be the Bucks, but j I just think it's a great story. I'll be rooting for Toronto. You'll be rooting for Toronto. Okay. Yeah. I do like the four. way Toronto plays the game. I do Fair like enough. the way they move the ball and play the game. It doesn't appear to me. I haven't seen them enough this year. And I know Marcus Gasol was hurt. I don't know if Marcus Gasol has much left in the tank. Does he or not? I don't like him in matchups, which is happening to a lot of bigs. But then when you look at the West, you go, you actually need bigs right now. You need somebody right. to handle Jokic. You need Gobert. This Portland series with LA has been a big series. And Portland's defense falling apart was kind of predictably what we thought would happen at some point. And now I don't think anyone's talking about the Lakers because it went from worry. The offense was so bad in the bubble. The shooting was so bad in the first game to now, oh, wait, they're 30 points better than these guys. Um, and even the Clippers, Zubach, he's there's there's these bigger teams in the West that feels like despite the league going small, the league got big again really right. quickly. I have one more Luca one for you though. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Luca's driving. This is the last one. I promise. He's got the defender on his hip, and you're on cam, and you go. Well, it would be B roll, so you wouldn't be on cam. We understand that. Be B roll, voice. He's dribbling, and you say, if he's even, he's Slovenian. Oh, okay. That's nice on the ears. It's nice on the ears. I really don't feel like I don't think we could work together. I don't no. think I could be your I don't think I could be your producer. No, if, if I'm nodding, I like it. If we're even, he's Slovenian. Yeah. Is that what you said? Yeah. I like that. That's your best one. I so saved far. it for last. Yeah. Uh, oh, 90s mute. <laughs> The movie reference line from you is still my favorite part of this entire interview. The uh, uh, so I'm going to pick. I'm going to root for the Lakers uh, and out of Toronto, but I don't think Toronto is coming out of the East. Okay, Lakers, Toronto. That's good. I'll go uh, Clippers, Milwaukee. I'll keep it. Yeah, I'll keep it kind of chalk, and I don't. I don't feel great about it. I try to switch it up every now and then. Um, I feel like before I leave you, anything to update on your end? How are the memoirs? 
Everything's going well. As, as you know, the Instagram is completely blown up. Everyone's talking Huge. about it. And uh, life is good. I'm going to come visit you in Manhattan Beach, and I'll give you some updates in person. Okay. Um, not for Do you have any requests? Yeah, no, I understand. You're a private man. Do you have any requests as far as um, cordials? Oh, no. Um, no, it's either vodka or red wine. Um, okay. What did I want to ask you? You don't cover, and again, don't be offended. Do you cover the NFL? Do you follow the NFL or are you just an yes. NBA Okay. No, no. Very close. Basically, you can't do this job unless you're paying attention to the NFL. I mean, unless you're only an NBA beat guy, but as far as right. podcasting and radio, I spent more time talking NFL than I did in any other topic. So, Can I talk about my Vikings for one moment? Yeah, please do. They, I was very pleased with their win at the New Orleans Saints in the playoffs. They were, they were heavy underdogs, and they showed up. I'm a fan of Mike Zimmer, the head coach. He got a nice extension. They lost five to six starters on the defense, and they had gotten a nose tackle free agent named Michael Pearson. He, he's opted out of the season because he has asthma and COVID. He's high risk with COVID. So they're, they have new cornerbacks on defense, rookies, and it's going to be tough. My question to you, is, and they, have, they always have a tough schedule. They always have to fly out to Seattle and lose. They never get to play Seattle at home. First game at home in Minnesota with no fans against the Packers. Very concerned about the first game. Go ahead. Much like your Harden stance, I have a very similar one on Kirk Cousins. Uh, oh, okay. So the, the, I think the, it's the, actually different. I, I think Harden actually is really good, and maybe people aesthetically don't really like him. I feel like for every Cousins was incredible in that Saints game. And then them coming back against San Francisco and him throwing for 100 yards. And granted, he got sacked, I think, six times in that game. Uh, that wasn't ideal for him. So I, I feel like you have to support him. And in this league, you still need somebody. Now, there are other exceptions, certainly. But you still need a quarterback who can carry you to win enough games to get to the Super Bowl and win one. I don't correct. Yeah, Cousins... Uh, I've fluctuated on him. I'm not concerned about him. He does throw a very pretty football. He does throw a very, very good deep ball. Against San Francisco, the offensive line got throttled. It wasn't, it wasn't his fault. The big concern is, is Minnesota is the offensive line. They keep drafting people. It's hard to build a good offensive line. We have an issue with our offensive line. Cousins will run more this year, he has said. Uh, he needs to get rid of the ball quickly. He would, I can tell you what bothers me about him is if he is sacked, I don't like strip sacks. Don't ever fumble when you get sacked. Hold on to the ball. Like Rodgers rarely fumbles. Just hold on to the ball when you get sacked. I know it's easier said than done. That drives me up the wall. But, uh, no, he's fine. He's, do, do you know how he compares to Garoppolo as a quarterback? Do you know what the consensus oh, I I think more people would take Cousins over Garoppolo Correct. for a season. I, I feel like the Garoppolo thing is is finally turned to where, right. even though they could have very won, well won a Super Bowl, I don't know how anybody watches Garoppolo and can see that his own coach doesn't really trust him that much. That's what I look for. I'm a big, what does your coach call for you guy? That's the thing that I've evolved into. It took me a while to get there, but I'm happy. I'm Do you happy like teams that. that run the ball a lot? Um, you know it's, what I don't like? is I, I don't like that old school... We have to run to establish who we are type of You know, shit. 
You do Sorry, know when, I, you don't like swearing. I forget. I forget. Yeah, you, you do know when you run. I don't mind when Montrell calls Luca a name. That was kind of fun. But um, when you run the ball, you take successfully, you destroy the will of the other team. But I think at the end of the game, I just feel like the the reward of passing on early downs is too great to dismiss. Where I, I always thought one of the dumbest things teams would do is just old school. I'm all for that mentality, okay? But when everybody's so hyped up and the defense wants to hit anything, right. and you hand it off to run right up the middle on the first play of the game when the defense right. couldn't be more juiced up, I'm like, right. that is the, it's such a waste. I, d- I don't think I've seen any people really ever break them. Craig, we're going to call on you now. Which brings up an interesting point. I hope so. Um, I'm sorry for the dramatic pause. One of my favorite plays on offense is the screen pass. Love the screen pass. Because all that aggression is coming, and then you just dump it off to the side. I love that. Because you're talking about all that aggression coming up. How do you exactly. do, how do you diffuse that? Don't don't drop back and get sacked. Drop screen pass. Love it. Anyways, I know you're a busy man, Ryan. I hope I I hope I enlighten where you know Hank Lucetti, uh Luke driving to the rim at his anytime he wants the body control. Lewis Lloyd. The craftiness. Yeah, Lewis, Lewis didn't play for a couple years, was in the CBA. Then he came back in uh in 89-90 and played for the Sixers and the Rockets. Yeah. So was that too was that too obscure in a refer, uh, obscure reference? I don't normally, yes, but with you, I would have been disappointed had we not gotten something like that. Right. He reminds me of uh, the movie Braveheart. I'm kidding. Okay, so listen, <laughs> I'm proud of you, man. Thanks. Yeah, and look, if Norby calls you, say, hey, do you want to get back in the mix over here in Bristol, and you're on the 11, if that happens and there's some sort of comeback, if you want to, leave, if you want to use the if he's even, he's Slovenian, I would be honored. Oh, so good. You're on top of your game, man. So early in the morning. Thank you, sir. Enjoy the desert. Thank you. All right, buddy. See you, man. The great Craig Kilborn, and I would urge you, people, if you are out there and you are you are in the mood for some content, go to Mr. Craig Kilborn on Instagram. Incredible birthday toast to himself. So you've got that going for you, which is nice. FanDuel Sportsbook NBA playoffs offer for all new customers is still running. Okay, listen up. Pay attention to the details. Plus 2,000 on any team in the playoffs to make the NBA Finals. Okay, so it doesn't matter if it's the Bucks, Lakers, or the Nets. Well, it matters now if it's the Nets. Plus 2,000 on everyone. They don't even have to win. That's just get to the Finals. Don't miss out before it's too late. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started. Be sure to sign up with promo code RYAN, R-Y-E-N, so they know that I sent you. Keep playing fantasy basketball during the playoffs for their Ultimate Hoops Ringer Contest. There's a FanDuel contest every day. There are playoff games, $5 entry fee per contest. If you win a contest, you get a ticket to the leaderboard series during the NBA Finals where all the winners will compete for a share of the $50,000 in cash. Ringer swag and to be deemed the sole survivor of the Ultimate Hoops Ringer. There you go. Still time to enter the contest. Are you in any of these contests, Kyle? No, I usually pick up around football season. 
There you go. Still time to enter the contest for a chance to get into the leaderboard series during the finals. What are you waiting for? Learn more and enter at fanduel.com forward slash hoops ringer. Age and location restrictions apply. For the sports book, must be 21 plus present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Colorado, West Virginia, or Indiana. New users only must wager on designated boost market. Max bonus 200. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Colorado, call 1-800-522-4700 or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net or in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you could possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Kyle, you think you'll ever want to have kids? Yeah, I think so. Yeah? My dad's couple rascals? He says it's the reason. Running around? Alive. I don't know. I don't see it yet. He said what? He said it's the reason to be alive, but that's like sounds like some shit a dad would say. Does sound like something a dad would say. Uh yeah, I've got a couple friends that I've I've heard behind the scenes have said, like, does does Rusilla not understand that like this is what life's about, the sacrifice your parents made for you, that you have to make that same sacrifice? I had another friend that after he'd had kids, he had them pretty late. And he said, God, I, I almost want to write my parents a letter and go, sorry sucks um yeah i don't know i think it's i think it's pretty interesting i i love my neighbors so far so good by the way on the neighbors although we had a slight disturbance last night about 3 30 a.m thought i was gonna have to yeah i don't know what's going on i thought my car was getting broken into and i went out there but i didn't go out there to escalate it it I, i couldn't make sense of it one way or the other up or down i had no idea what was going on so i said you know what? we're just gonna let this one ride out i slept terrible and then i pulled my back in the middle of the kilborn interview so that's where i'm at right now but five advil later and maybe a light movement workout some torso <laughs> stuff we'll see how we do but yeah uh, the neighbor he's got um he's got a young kid with him and i i'm getting along with everybody pretty well and uh i don't know i was just trying to make conversation and i was like how old is he He's like, oh, he's seven. I went, oh, it's a great age. <laughs> and then, full of shit. I know, I know. I don't know why I said it that way, but I, I don't know. It was, it was everything that I hate about cocktail hour conversation, and not that every conversation in the cocktail hour is terrible. Um, his, was his next uh, question? Oh, do you have kids? No, he knows oh, that okay. I don't have kids. He's been living next to me, and we we have a mutual friend, so. <laughs> He knows, he kind of knows my background. He's not huge into sports, but he, he understands, you know, when I moved in and then a couple of guys were like, wait a minute, you know, Rosilla's living here. And so, um, and by the way, not to dismiss all cocktail conversation, because some of it is very good. I'll share one with you on a vacation, uh, was with uh, a friend and we were having some, uh, some day drinks and we were, <laughs> We were, it was kind of a divey spot, but let's just say the regulars were not afraid of the daytime hours and we started spraying the infield with some whiskeys and we were kind of looking at each other like, I don't know, like this could, this could mess up the night. Like this might not be a good idea, but you know, we'll just, we'll pace ourselves and then we'll, uh, we'll see how the crew's doing. And then one guy turned it down and we're like, wait a minute, what's going on? You know, and guys were kind of like, what, what, you know, oh, you don't want anything. He's like, no, no, I'm an alcoholic. We're like, what? <laughs> like, why are you okay? Like, what's going on? Why why are you here? 
at a, at a dive bar in the middle of the day. He's like, oh, he's like, I used to hang out here all the time. I don't want to miss anything. <laughs> he's invested. <laughs> it, was the most, it was the most amazing answer I've ever heard. Maybe on any topic. I, I just, we were dying laughing. It was the fight because it was so sincere. He was like, what? He's like, I don't drink, but he goes, these are my buddies. And I, I want to miss out on all this, on this good conversation. We're like, that's amazing. Good for you, man. So yeah, I, I dropped a, cause a lot of times, like if you had met somebody, you know, I'm just trying to think of it's just how people want to be included in the topic. It happens all the time with different stuff, right? No matter what it is, it could, no one, no one ever goes, I'm not as familiar with that subject. So I will sit this one out. Like, it's just not the way life works. It's not the way people talk. So I don't know why I, I'm more likely to go. I don't know what you're talking about. So I'm not, I have nothing to add because there's so many people that I hear talking about stuff that I'm invested in that I don't think know what they're talking about. But yet I was like seven. Oh, that's a good age. That's a good age. And then I'll like, I've even said like, you know, just before they become a jerk and then the dad will look at you like, what are you an asshole? Like my kid's not going to be a jerk. Like, oh, but then I remember where I was at when I was seven. I started really, uh, I think I started really sizing the world up. Remember my family, we moved. My mother was like, do you want to stay in the same elementary school until third grade? Or do you want to just jump right in? I go, you know, let's get this over with. I'm like, let's shake it up a little bit. I'm like, what do we get? Six weeks to go in second grade? I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> like, let's do this. She was like, really? I go, yeah, yeah. Let's just time to move on, mom. The band-aid. Yeah, let's not, let's not look in the rear view, all right? She's just like, who is this guy? Okay. Um, all right. We got a few here, Kyle. I may, I may include you in a couple of these. All right. I think I'm going to leave a name out here. Hey, uh, Kyle and Ryan. I'm balding, an aristocrat, 5'8", but not skinny fat. Okay, good. One out of three is good. Um, Moved into a new house, four roommates at the beginning of August. My work tends to be a bit isolating, so I like to live with people for some basic human interaction. Oh, that's cool. It's good for my finances. It's also that, too. None of us knew each other beforehand. I'm starting to sense that one of the guys and girls are sleeping together. She's been here since mid-July, but he's only been in the city for like three weeks, but mostly are stuck at home due to COVID restrictions, limiting the number of people they've met. On one hand, I'm sympathetic because of this. On the other hand, for similar reasons, I fully expect this to self-combust in the next few months, making the whole house toxic. And while I'm deeply disinterested in telling other people how to live their lives, I fear that at some point this will become a source of annoyance for me. How would you approach this? I wouldn't have roommates. Um, do you... Do I try to intervene? <laughs> so I'll give you that answer real quick. Do I try to intervene before it gets too serious, risking that I could be wrong and cause the toxicity myself, or do I just lay back and slay the hell out of every... Oh, I thought it said... I was like, geez, dude. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. Because <laughs> do I try to intervene before it gets too serious, risking I could be wrong and cause the toxicity, or do I just lay back and stay the hell out of everyone's way, minimizing the toxicity I may experience in the future? Yeah, you can't tell them what to do, man. Um, it, it may be your house and it may be your finances, but, uh, you know, that's, you decided to have roommates. You said it's good for your finances. And if it's a co-ed norm, you're running over there, things are going to happen. And especially during a pandemic. So I don't think you have the right, even though it's your house to tell people who they can or can't hang out with inside the house. And yeah, it's probably going to suck when it goes South, but. Um, don't want to do six that leases yeah what would you do there kyle you kyle what if you were the guy what if you were the guy and the dude that you were renting a room from was like you can't hang out with sarah 
well, all of a sudden you become that guy. Like there's, you're the worst guy. If you're, if you're that guy, don't be that guy. Which guy? The, the guy landlord? that's telling people not to. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You can't. Yeah, you just, you don't have really much of a choice there. You're like the asshole on one of those judge Judy shows. It's like, is this guy serious? He's suing him for that. I would love to do the judge Judy screenshot where I don't have to hear a word either person says, and you just look at the two people next to each other <laughs> and you go guilty <laughs> and just blink test of any of those judge shows and go guilty <laughs> and how often you would be accurate. Somebody must have done that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. sure somebody has. It. Gotta be an okay. Instagram account out there. Okay, this is uh, the J-Man checking in. I'm 29, I'm dating, never had any issues at bars or meeting new girls. My issue's commitment. I've been single for eight years now. My last relationship was horrific, age 19 to 21. Man, that's pretty young. Horrible, vol uh, Horribly volatile and toxic, unfaithful lies and friends and families became heavily involved in relationship dynamics. Ooh, that age, geez. I'll spare you the details um, of the breakup, but uh, it was a 10 out of 10, bad time. Okay, all right. Yeah, dude. I definitely am scared from this experience, fearfully the emotional investment I put in, albeit in an age when I was much less mature and cared too much about the wrong things in relationships. She was the hottest girl I'd ever been with, blah, 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 blah. Okay, man, got it, been there. I'm routinely faced with the same cycle when meeting new girls. I can't emotionally commit. They become tiresome part ways. I still enjoy getting to know new people. Uh, the chase of a platonic interaction, it is fun. That stuff is fun. And the company, uh, however, I prefer the company to be temporary. To say I've revealed my fullest self to a girl since said breakup due to trust issues would be entirely untrue. Uh, good sentence right there. All, all, I wasn't expecting that sentence to be that good, so I, I murfed it a bit at the end. <laughs> I feel most secure amongst my family and my boys, and I'm not sure this will ever change. Hey, bro, right there with you. I listened to you talk about 2002. Again, my worst year, the worst year pod. You can find that one. And I can't help but see myself potentially following the same emotional trajectory. I'm far better person with perspective of my past relationship failures and that exposure has been vital to my development as a person. Why risk anxiety and my own comfort just to follow the conventional lifestyle of marriage and parenthood? My question, geez. Okay, good. At what point after 2002 do you become comfortable with the path you've chosen for the status of your current personal life? Uh, what triggers were most prominent in your decision to be alone or is this something you merely played day by day? Uh, when you interact with new people, do you keep an open mind? Are you always cognizant of the likely finishing point? Most importantly, am I crazy for trying to solve this now? Okay. There's a lot going on there, buddy. So, um, you know, you had a breakup. It was really bad. You were 19, you were 21. Some would say maybe you got it out of the way. You know, maybe you got your bad one out of the way. Like when I meet somebody who's, I would say when I was younger, it's not like I'm interacting with too many people in their twenties anymore, other than, you know, maybe a work thing from now and then. But, uh, you know, I remember somebody I hung out with was like, Oh, I've never, ever had a bad breakup. And I was like, all right, congrats. Like, I didn't, I didn't know there was some fucking contest here where we're all trying to keep that stat line clean, like strikeouts or something. So I know I'll share a little bit here. I know that like the first person I cared about was kind of a carryover from high school and it was into college and she was coming up to visit me in college. And what I didn't realize was that she was coming up to visit me to hook up with my roommate. So she would sleep in my bed and then I would fall asleep and then she would crawl up into his loft. And then what? that was, yeah. And I didn't know about it. She would crawl back down into mine because we were never, we were I was clearly friend zoned, didn't know any better, thought spooning was cool, 
because I cared about the person, but that was, and again, this is a little weird, like a sports guy sharing sort of the intimacy of this, but I'm just going to explain it to you. So that, that was something I didn't even know was happening. I think it happened two or three times. And then that Christmas I was home on break and I'd said to a mutual friend, like, Hey, I think it's going really well. She wants to come up and visit me again. And I was really excited. And then the girl was like, looking at me and she just put her head down and she goes, I got to tell you something. The only reason she's going up there isn't to visit you. You're like the, she's, she's using you to go visit the roommate. And it's been going on every time she goes to visit you and you just, I guess are a really deep sleeper. And I was like, wow, that fucked me up for a long time. Okay. Because at that point I was like, wait, this is how it works. Like somebody can do this to another person that knows that they care about them. Like it took me a really long time to not be like, fuck this. Word. And you know what it was? It was a real waste of time. Cause that was that one person that did something really shitty to me. Okay. And this isn't really insightful other than you can let that one person dictate the next few years like I did and waste all this time. And then you go into every relationship after that damage. You just go, hey, I opened up. It didn't work out. They did some really awful, awful stuff to me. And it made me be awful to people because somebody was awful to me. I was like paying it forward with, with, with bad stuff. Like, okay, now I don't care. Now I'm going to close in. Now I'm not going to open up to people. Now I'm going to assume you're cheating on me, so I'm not going to care. And by the way, like college relationships are stupid anyway. Um, they, they really are. They just are such a massive, massive waste of time. But I let that toxicity make me become toxic with everybody else. And anybody that goes through the breakup, anybody that goes through this kind of stuff, you will always, I guarantee you, there are very few things I can guarantee, but I will guarantee you that when you get over whatever you're going through after the breakup or that bad relationship, you are going to be so mad at yourself for wasting the amount of time that you did thinking about it, replaying it in your head. We had another life advice that I'm not going to get to where the guy was like, Hey, I got dumped, blah, 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 blah. Not sure what to do. You know, I'm trying to get her back, but every time I try, it's like, no, you're, that's why the line in swingers is absolutely perfect at the end of swingers where their big Mike is talking to Rob Livingston and, Rob's like, look, you, you can't, everything you're doing right now is only going to make her go further away. You can't think about her. Okay. But the problem is, is that once you stop thinking about her, they know, and then they reach out and then they talk to you again. Now I'm also on TV, so I'm not going to say that to be a dick. I'm saying it to cut through the BS of that. Yes. I've had probably more call back down the road to be like, Hey, actually I regret this, this, or this, because I've put myself in a position to be uh, desirable, if that even makes any sense. And that's how I kind of just look at the world. Like, okay, hey, is this person a good option? Is this person a bad option? All right, this person's a good option. I'm going to catch up with them and see what's going on. So really what all of the bad stuff did, and this was all pre-2002, this was like 10 years, nine years before that, and then 2002, the bad year, and the failed engagement and all of this stuff. What it did was it, it motivated me to want to kick so much ass professionally, because I was so mad about so many different things that I, there, there was nothing that was going to stop me. Like it's, it's cool, but do you really want to do it all by yourself? Yes, I did, but I didn't have to, I didn't have to stay isolated to be successful. I chose to be. So there you go. I don't want to do another one after that. So please subscribe, rate, and review 
the Ryan Russillo Podcast and the Ringer Podcast Network. And we will talk to you with Raja Bell on Thursday. Thursday.